Chats, the podcast you're listening to. And while most of you certainly already know, this show is all about almonds, which is a nut and it's nut news. I digress. Today on the show, I welcome back head of retail sales, Bryn Garcia. Bryn, it's just great to have you back on the show, and I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to join us. So uh, welcome. Thank you. Great to be back on. So since we've already had you on, let's keep it brief. But for those that either need a reminder or uh, don't know who you are, uh, remind us a little bit about what you do with Select Harvest and what your role is with us. So I am Bryn Garcia. I'm the head of retail sales and business development. And my role is all things retail related when it comes to Select Harvest and our almonds. I handle everything from private brand development for some of our private label customers to our own brand and all of the business and conversational aspects that go on behind the scenes regarding both of those things. Great. So it's safe to say that you've got at least a finger on the pulse when it comes to uh, consumer buying habits and uh, maybe what the retailers um, out there are trying to do to get the customers to purchase, um, at least when it comes to almonds. Is that is that fair? I sure hope so. That's that, <laughs> that's uh, definitely what I try my best to do is keep keep a pulse on what's going on out there when it comes to nuts and almonds and consumer behaviors. Consumer behavior, I think you and I both know, uh, can be a really tricky and very complex subject. So always take these types of conversations with a grain of salt. But I am interested to uh, to talk today a little bit about what you're seeing out there in the landscape, particularly since last time we've talked. Uh, I feel like a lot has changed. But let's go back a little bit. You know, I was kind of thinking here, you know, a lot has changed just post-COVID, but um, I think it's really important to understand just how much has changed within the couple years of COVID. So, you know, maybe... Just before before the pandemic, pre-COVID, what were, do you recall even um, some of those trends that were top of mind, really important for almonds or snack nuts um, that you were looking for? Maybe set the stage pre-COVID that we can uh, maybe talk about how that changed with COVID. Yes. Boy, is that the truth. I mean, so much has changed in our world, obviously, over the last two to three years, but Definitely consumer behaviors were affected as well. Our shopping behaviors really changed a lot. And we had some trends come back around that we saw disappear throughout COVID. So it's been an interesting time to watch and see how things have changed. Pre-COVID, really, we were looking at the hustle and bustle of it all. We were getting a lot of inquiries from retailers working on developing um, snack sizes. There was a lot of interest for snack sizes. And that would be for taking them to school or taking them to work or travel and all of the things that we were doing in life. Everything was all about portability and portion control definitely being an aspect of that. Then once COVID hit and we started to see the lockdowns, we of course immediately had the panic buying, which was just making it very difficult to keep anything on stock. So whatever we had on hand was being shipped out the door. Retailers were just ordering anything they could get their hands on. So there was real no real pattern at that point. Then once we got into uh, the new swing of being home more and not traveling and so many people not going into work and students not going into school, there was a huge shift away from the snack packs and everything became bulk and large sizes. The bigger, the better. So they could 
stock their pantries and go to, I'm assuming, make less frequent trips to the grocery store, which is why we're seeing those sizes increase. Um, Now we've seen a return again with people beginning to travel like they have not for the last two plus years uh, with workers returning to their offices and with students returning to school, we're seeing back the size shift back down to the portable snack sizes. So just in terms of the size and the portability of packaging, it's been interesting to watch the waves of that come and go. So that's where we are now in terms of just the packaging itself. Yeah, and I think that's really relatable to a lot of people, you know, myself included, you know, I have a, uh, I have a now seven-year-old at home and, uh, you know, during pandemic, you know, still, still eating the goldfish and uh, the animal crackers, right? But why burden yourself with those individual packs, which oftentimes are much more expensive by weight, you know, just get a giant tub of them. Sure. And, uh, you know, I certainly uh, caught myself uh, eating more than my fair share uh, sitting on the couch um, of that kind of, uh, you know, you're right. You're stuck at home. What else are you going to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can all all relate to that. But you know, school's back. You know, we certainly notice. You know, we bought a lot more snacks. But um, you know, there are still, you know, the work model seems to be a little bit more entrenched, um, or maybe slow to to recover in certain areas. At least was a move back to the office. So, you know, do you feel like the snack or the individual portion is going to be, you know, more weighted towards? you know, the, the student palettes, or do you see that returning, you know, with, with the workforce as well? I mean, it, I don't know if you have any insight on that, but just kind of just wanted, just wanted to pose that question. What are your thoughts? I think it's broadly used. So I know I talked about the portioning out being a term of portability, but to your point in terms of the quantity of snack that we might choose to be consuming, that is also a big aspect of where this comes into play as well. We're seeing a shift in the thought process behind health and wellness and putting watching what we're putting into our bodies in this post-pandemic world. So I think it is it goes beyond just students. I think it is workers, families, certainly what you're giving your children. Almonds are continue to be seen as the most inherently healthy of all the nuts. It makes it the number one nut. There is a lot of consumer data that speaks to that uh, between the protein benefit, the low sodium, and the other vitamins that you get from almonds. I think that uh, really keeps it up in terms of the health focus. So getting those portion control bags gives you the ability to have that healthy choice, but maybe not overindulge in it the way you would with one of those bulk servings. So let's dive in there a little bit. I think, you know, one of the silver linings of COVID, you know, if you want to look on the bright side of things is that, um, you know, shift in and focus that we, I think we all had into, you know, how can we be healthier with our lives? You know, when you're faced with, a disease and a, a public threat to health as, you know, robust, I guess, I don't know what the correct word might be there, uh, but just as dangerous as COVID was, you know, I think a lot of us were reflecting on how we could be healthy. So that was certainly a trend that, that I, at least I picked up on, um, you know, with consumer purchasing uh, decisions during COVID. And it seems to suggest that that you're seeing that trend continue even in a, in a post-pandemic world. Yes, absolutely. So we're seeing 
in this post-pandemic new consumer purchase behaviors, we're seeing a lot of people take their health into their own hands and they're looking at ways to heal themselves, to better their health holistically. And much of that leads to looking at food as medicine. So we're seeing a lot of focus on foods that might be associated with stress relief, immunity responses, and keeping you just in an overall healthy state. So we're looking at products that are calling out their elevated ingredients or their added benefits, whether that be probiotics, vitamin C, protein, all the things that are associated with bettering your health are being called to the forefront of packaging and shopping behaviors. So in that health fold, you know, I, I think we saw some health-minded, you know, trends even pre-pandemic. You talk about, uh, you know, plant-based proteins or uh, even, you know, your keto or your protein-heavy or sugar-reduced type diets. Are you seeing those continue in a post-pandemic world as well? Yes, absolutely. The thought process behind watching your sugar intake is has not gone anywhere. We're still seeing a focus on not spiking your insulin levels and really gaining an understanding of what spiked insulin in the body does long term, it, how it has such ripple effects throughout your health overall. So we're seeing a lot of products that maybe not are not necessarily called out as keto. Now, they, they might be called out as keto-friendly, but they're certainly being called out for their low sugar and low glycemic index and high protein and low carb, just in an effort to mitigate all of the sugar concerns that are still prevalent in that holistic health mindset. Well, you know, and you and I had also touched on this um, in our in our conversations, um, and kind of maybe getting into area that I'm really fond of, um, you know, in in just your flavor profiles, the things that people are are seeking. And what I found really interesting, kind of juxtaposed to what you know you just talked about about your your health halo and consumer purchasing, is this idea of comfort food. And I think, I guess, what I'm getting at here is, you know, I I seem to see. Uh, and even feel a a push on the consumer side towards those comfort flavor profiles. But when I think of, you know, my comfort foods, it's, you know, it's, it's fried chicken, it's, you know, mashed potatoes with lots of butter and gravy, it's pancakes with daubs of butter. And I mean, it's point is, is these aren't traditionally healthy foods. I mean, maybe not necessarily, you know, most unhealthy items, but help me understand how, the comfort food flavor profiles fit in with this broader trend of healthier eating habits. Sure. Yeah, I think it's very understandable that during the pandemic, we saw a big drive for those comfort foods and comfort flavors while people were at home and looking to find options that might bring them some peace and just um, satisfaction in other ways when there might be longer periods of stress or uncertainty going on in the outside world. Very unsurprising that we're seeing those comfort foods coming in. But now that we're returning to our, our everyday more lifestyles that we're more used to, we're starting to see a blending of those 
comfort foods, but as new comforts. So it's combining those nostalgic flavors, but with some of these health attributes that could be giving you a little bit of a better feeling about indulging. So you might have that really luxurious, comforting flavor of fried chicken, but maybe it has higher protein and a few other call-outs that make you feel better about your choice. Um, Interestingly, and I think it, it does tie in with that comfort food, we're seeing a lot of spicy flavors come into play, especially in the high protein sector. So I think that is the movement towards wanting to find flavors that give you satisfaction and pack a lot of punch, but maybe have some added health benefits as well. So we're seeing jalapeno, chipotle, buffalo, all of these more spicy flavors that pair really well with higher protein options. The word you used was satisfied or satisfaction, I think was it, you know, in, in food that we eat, if you're eating something that is satisfying and however you define that, um, but I think a lot of people will define it as flavor is one of the key, if not the most important component of all that. That's really interesting. And I think it really does connect with that, that comfort food trend that you kind of see out there. And it makes a lot of sense when in the context of COVID and, and shutdown, you know, you're at home, you're feeling stressed, you're scared, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. So of course you're going to default to that for, to get your endorphins, you know, from a lot of the things that you're now missing in life. Uh, if you can get it from your food um, in that scenario, that makes a lot of sense. And just because things have opened back up and there's more reasons to be optimistic and less scared, we know more now it can still be very satisfying to have these comfort food flavor profiles. And now as, you know, some of the research and development and product, you know, innovations come forward and catch up to our, our times. Now you're seeing that comfort with health. And so I, I think, um, I think that does make a lot of sense. And, you know, something else that I wanted to ask too, as far as, you know, maybe the taking health further in far as a food with function or food for function. You mentioned a, a couple, you know, probiotic, but are there other trends within that fold that you're seeing as well? Really immunity and brain function are the two that have stood out the most that I'm, I'm seeing a lot of um, vitamin C or citrus flavors that are associated with high vitamin C, things that are going to give you the added protection against viruses. Uh, we're seeing some zinc, some B vitamins. Um, and then again, with the the uh, brain function aspect, you're seeing some protein call-outs, omega-3s, B as well there. And those are the two that I'm seeing most prevalently touched on right now on packaging and just in that health and wellness space. So Gen Z... Millennials, just generally your your middle aged to younger consumers, they have historically shown a higher prevalence for the new, the innovative, the different, the experiential side of food. And I'm wondering if you're expecting to see that continue. And if you are, what role does snacks and snack food in general have to play in that? piece of consumers buying considerations. 
Mm -hmm. Yes, it's so interesting to see the dividing lines between the older consumers, the, the, the boomers who used to be the primary shoppers, the Gen X, and now the Gen Z becoming the primary shoppers. It's a big difference um, in terms of flavor profiles specifically. We see that older consumers prefer more traditional flavors, um, things that uh, their brains have re- you know, seen very relevant to throughout their lives. Flavors like barbecue, hickory, garlic, just very normalized flavors where the younger consumers are seeking out more unique, potentially more global flavors. Definitely that spice is coming into play for the Gen X, the spicy protein flavors that I touched on earlier. And same with the younger generation. They are also quicker to adapt the trends that are unique, whether it's unique packaging or unique flavor combinations that are merging functional medicine food and unique flavors. It's going to be the younger generations that are trying those before the older one, if the older one does at all. In terms of snacking, that's where we see the majority of innovation coming in that really leads the rest of the categories in the grocery store. Snacks is where you're going to see, you know, new potato chip flavors coming in, new nut flavors coming in, new veggie chip flavors coming in. You you really see it predominantly hit snacks first before it hits the rest of the aisles. So in that same mindset, the two younger generations are the first ones to pick those up. And that's where we see the repeat purchases there. Well, you know, again, I know that the, we've said this before, you know, that the younger cohorts do tend to experiment more, but I was kind of wondering if we're starting to see a shift or maybe the, you know, the, the young mentality rub off, or maybe it's, you know, a transition again, as the younger or what, you know, we consider the younger millennials, Gen X, Gen Zs, you know, are coming up, you're getting more that are becoming the primary um, shoppers. And even now you have the boomers retiring. So you might have situations where the boomers kids are the ones helping do some of the shopping. I'm kind of wondering if the boomer generation that gets this, you know, rap of being stodgy and, you know, stuck in their ways. And I can say that as a millennial, right? Cause I can rub my parents <laughs> like elbowing them. Yeah. This is an elbow to you guys, but in just a little bit, but the point here now is the comfort food, like familiar, but new. Right. There's this, I feel like that's what's happening right now, where you get stuff that, you know, it's going to be very recognizable, whether it has a nostalgic flair or not, but there's something new to it. And I'm kind of wondering if that's the bridge in the, in the R and D and in the innovation on the new flavors and new products that are coming that is going to really drive the next growth because it has that ability to kind of bring together both the boomer and the younger generation kind of thought processes and in, in, in consumer purchasing. So what do you think on all of that? I would certainly agree with that hypothesis. I don't have any data to back it up, but I certainly agree that that would be a potential driving force behind the comforting flavors 
being uh, pushed to the forefront, as well as the spike in sales of these new comforts, because it is a bit of a bridge between the two generations. It's a way to appeal to something that is familiar and um, easily recognizable as a taste that you are going to enjoy. But maybe uh, they also will get an added benefit from it that they were unexpected. So it uh, the older consumer will pick it up because they're familiar with it and actually go through with purchasing it even despite the added benefit. <laughs> Whereas the younger consumer, that millennial and the Gen X and Gen Z might have the flip side of that thought process. They might pick it up because it has high protein or because it's giving them increased brain function and immunity, but they are also going to continue purchasing it despite maybe the comforting flavor that they were less interested in. I I do think it's a bit of a bridge and a way to interest both consumer segments at one time. Well, you know, I'll throw out another uh, hypothesis out there too. And uh, it might just be that as that generation nears retirement, you know, they're realizing that there is still a lot out there. Uh, You know, I was going to say a whole lifetime, but I mean, the reality here is, you know, with modern medicine, boomers are retiring with a quarter of their lifespan ahead of them and they're wanting to make use of it. And maybe it is the work generation, if you will, finally realizing hey, there's something else to work. And in our definition, that's retirement. And now that we're here, how do we make the most of it? And Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe some of these, you know, health and wellness, broader, more holistic approaches that the younger generations have been a little bit more eager to adopt are finally starting to resonate with the older generation as they're entering a different phase of their life. Maybe. That's very true. I can tell you from personal experience just this last weekend, my in-laws were picking my brain on the Mediterranean diet and the benefits of eating in this lifestyle. They have individually have some health um, concerns that have have just come up in this phase of their life. And they're doing their own research and seeing that a Mediterranean diet could be very beneficial for them to eat these uh, high omega fishes and increase their olive oil intake and decrease their canola oil consumption and look at healthy fats in a different way. So I will say that you are probably onto something. They want to make sure that they're eating properly to get the most out of their retirement and they enjoy this phase of life that they're now in. Well, happy retirement, mom. I know you're listening out there. (laughs) Wish you the best. And, uh, you know, for other shameless plugs, Brynn, I might as well uh, ask you what you might want to tease about some of the fun new things that we at Select Harvest are doing. Um, I like to say we're kind of entering phase three. We haven't really officially said anything, but you know, I feel yeah. like uh, our Nut News crowd here has been a, a loyal one um, and is, would be very interested in it. So uh, anything, uh, any nuggets you want to drop about uh, fun things coming this summer? Sure can. I, in, in perfect alignment with this conversation, we are dropping some new flavors that do hit a lot of the new tr- flavor trends that we've been talking about. We're going to have three new very spicy flavors coming into play, um, two of which have 
international global cuisine type feel, as well as our Monk Crunch, which is our low sugar line, is also going to be having some very nostalgic flavors uh, dropping in this year as well. So uh, yeah, stay tuned and we will release the official names of those in about the next 30 days. Well, I'm looking forward to it, uh, and I hope you are all out there as well. Really excited about it, and big congratulations to our team uh, for all the hard work they've been doing. I'm hoping here in the next uh, couple of episodes, post-launch of all these new fun things, to get some of our uh, R&D professionals on to the, uh, onto the show to kind of share some of the behind-the-scenes, but uh, you'll just have to wait for that, uh, but keep an eye out for um, for our announcements and uh, new products uh, later this summer. And until then, Bryn, um, anything else you wanted wanted to share with us uh, on, on consumer happenings? No, I think that really covers it. And just please, you know, keep going out there, keep purchasing. It's, it's great to see uh, consumers returning to the stores and having a renewed focus on health. So just everyone be well and stay healthy out there. Well, I'd also like to uh, say that almonds are probably one of the few uh, food items that uh, you will likely not to see any increase in the prices due to inflation. That has to do with the commodities market. So go buy almonds because they're still relatively cheap compared to everything else. We've seen prices rise. Almonds are, are a great way to save on your pocketbook as well. And Bryn, thank you so much for stopping by. I always appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Well, this is where uh, I generally put in a, a terrible dad joke or two or ramble on about how you should go on to select harvestalmondsnacks.com and buy our new products like shakers or all the fun flavors. But, you know, instead of that, I will just say buffalo, 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 which is actually a full and complete sentence. And that was inspired by Bryn's conversation of buffalo, the flavor being on trend. So you have her to thank for that awfully confusing sentence. And if you have any questions, email me info at selectharvestusa.com. I'll reply and we'll go from there. This is Nut News. 